welcome to Ultra Catalyst. I'm your host, Stephen Nosek. We'll be exploring the one decision people make to drive change in their lives. Join me each week to hear from a variety of guests about what they did, the techniques and strategies they used, and how they're now leading their best life. Welcome back, folks, to the Ultra Catalyst podcast. My name is Stephen Nosek. I am your host. It's been a long time since we connected, but guess what? Today, we have a special guest. You're going to meet him in just a second. Now, what's our podcast all about? Remember, it's about listening to other people's journey in life. It's to identify what's that fucking spark that ignites them to change their decision, to start plowing ahead and actually change their life for the better. Now, it could be financial, relationship, business, health, spiritual, emotional, you name it. Whatever it is, we're going to discover what that is today. We're going to learn about different techniques, strategies, and how different individuals move forward because we're all different, yet we're all connected all at the same time. So today's guest, let me do a quick introduction for him and we'll bring him on. We got the digital marketer, aka the humanizer, Ivan Tamelkoff of Razor Sharp Digital. He's an entrepreneur, a podcaster, a father of two of the year and decade, a cyclist, and he's training for several different sports later this year. Now, he has been featured in different publications. You might have seen him out there, Inc. Magazine, Social Media Examiner, and The Rise to the Top. I won't get into his background because we're going to hear from him. Please welcome my very own and good friend, Ivan. What's up, brother? How are you today? Steven, what's going on, man? Glad to be here. Excellent, man. I know we've been talking about getting together for quite some time. Wanted you to come on to our podcast and drop a little knowledge for our audience. Sound okay? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, value of friendship more than you know. And uh, this is an absolute privilege. So anything I can do to contribute to share, there will be a value to your listeners, to your viewers. You got it. Excellent, man. Excellent. Well, shit, man, let's, let's dive right in. Hey, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about your background. Um, I know you got a great immigrant story. Do you want to just kind of give a highlight of that? And then we'll, we'll dive into marketing aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Man, this could be books and books, and it's on the list, I think, to eventually at least write one book to share the story. But let's uh, let's go with the Cliff Notes version, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm originally from Bulgaria, and my father actually immigrated to the United States in late 1990. Um, you know, it was it's probably one of the most epic stories that. Uh, I'm going to tell and I have told my children and hopefully they tell their children, but, you know, $400 in his pocket opens up a map. Yes, this was in the days of actually using maps, <laughs> not maps on your phone and um, just taking a giant risk, you know, leaving a family uh, of three. Um, you know, I was 10 years old at the time. Uh, my sister, who was three years younger than me, was seven um, you know, and this was um, actually a year after the Iron Wall and uh, communism was overthrown also. So um, a musician comes here and, you know, like many other immigrants who came to the United States and hope for 
better future, you know, and um, worked his ass off, worked three full-time jobs for three years until, you know, kind of fast forward, uh, it was time to bring us in. So I was fortunate enough to actually go through the entire immigration process. Mm -hmm. um, so it was January 16th, 1994, when we landed in St. Louis, Missouri, and here I am wondering what the fuck. Mm -hmm. um, new country, foreign territory, no friends, no language. I think hello and goodbye was about the only thing I knew in terms of wow. English. And, um, you know, kind of fast forward, you know, high school was kind of a blur because I was bullied all through high school. Uh, probably one of the worst times of my life, but it was, it was a learning experience because I, I think I was really kind of on the self-discovery path and really realizing why I was because mm -hmm. there were also some of my best years. And um, it was actually that time that, you know, there was a lot of exploration, self-discovery. Um, I was actually a pretty good athlete back then. Mm -hmm. um, I was a fast runner. Um, at the age of 17, I was squatting 300 pounds. Sure. Here I am, this toothpick. And, you know, all that went to shit later because, you know, peer pressure, basically, for the most part. Um, my father, his earlier days, entrepreneur, he, he owned a small pizza joint. And mm. that was probably one of his earlier years of entrepreneurial experience, which I, I want to say that, that, that probably you know, um, uh, uh, was something that I absorbed also, you know, I was very attentive to, I should say, I mean, mm -hmm. I worked in that place long hours, you know, on weekends, helping him out, uh, after school, I'd get off the bus and I'd be there making pizzas, helping with deliveries, customer service. And, um, so I think that was probably one of my earlier years of, you know, entrepreneurial experience. And, um, then in 1995, I found this thing, the internet, you know, and yeah. this was mainly through high school. You know, you probably remember dial up internet, AOL, mm -hmm. MySpace, GeoCities. It was like, wow, what the hell is this? You know, this is curious. So while the few high school friends I had were doing homework, I was over here in AOL chat rooms and talking <laughs> to strangers. That's pretty much what I was doing. But what I was really doing is absorbing and self-educating, um, which little did I know would forge a path to what became um, something monumental in my life. It taught me a lot of valuable skills. Mm -hmm. um, it helped me basically create a, a job for myself. And then later on, also start a business, um, not to mention teach other people things that I learned on the internet because when people ask me, I'm a kid who barely graduated high school, dropped out of college, mm -hmm. and here I am, I'm teaching people with MBAs how to do modern digital skills. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my professional experience really has been agency side for 15 years, uh, doing a lot of creative and disruptive things. Um, in the earlier days of the internet, I guess, web 1.0, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, learning how to code in the earlier days, learning about the new beginnings of social media. Uh, I was actually talking about earlier today on social media that I was that kid 13 years ago, circa iPhone one, which I just heard sold for 50 grand. 
mm-hmm. uh, someone's the first version of iPhone one. You know, I was this kid like walking around, you know, recording myself while everybody else thinks that was crazy because I thought that the phone was going to completely revolutionize and change the way we engage as humans. It's uh, it's pretty much the primary mission of Steve Jobs, which I finally got to read that book not too long ago. And mm-hmm. uh, it was very eye opening. And um, interestingly enough, I didn't know that largely his success was based in part of his LSD experience, <laughs> which I thought it was comical. I was like, how is this even connected? But um, it actually kind of made sense. So, you know, the vast majority of my life, um, personally and professionally, I've always been misunderstood. And I thought that that was a huge disadvantage. Um, when in reality, um, there's been a lot of different instances, but uh, so seven years ago, I was invited to uh, build a continuing education course at the University of Missouri here in St. Louis. Um, it was as part, and still is, as part of a continuing education digital marketing program, which was actually an extension of NYU, which has one of the best digital media marketing programs in the world. Very innovative, very analytical, very forefront thinking. And so I was invited to be a part of this, which my instant over Twitter, mind you, uh, my instant reaction was like, what the fuck me? What do I have to offer? You know, but kind of to fast track to not to share that full story, but um, they had this faculty appreciation night at one of the houses there. And mind you, I never went to, you know, a fraternity type school. So I didn't even know what it was like. Right. Mm-hmm. This was a completely foreign experience for me. And um, so I went in there and of course, traditional faculty that has 30 plus years, tenure, feeling very intimidated. I don't belong here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely. I'm, I'm undereducated, you know, I don't know. I might've had the, the best uh, jacket that I could find just to blend in. So here I am, you know, this entire room of all this traditional faculty. And um, at the time, the chancellor was the former CEO of Sprint before they were acquired. So this was like a couple of years after he stepped down, he was actually offered to be the chancellor of UMSL or known as Mizzou and NCAA for, you know, the uh, sports fanatics. And um, we're just kind of having this brief chat, Stephen, and he just looked over to me and said, Ivan, have no idea how much potential you have and what you're bringing to the table. I mean, it was probably one of the most heartfelt conversations I've ever had. I still remember it. That's definitely pivotal, right? For an observer like that, uh, just engaging in the conversation to understand that, you know what, you're, you have so much inside of you that you're not even tapping into. Yeah, it was, um, and you know, it, it, it was just so enlightening that I still remember it because it just created such a massive imprint um, on my soul, really, at a very deep level. Like, how could someone really acknowledge, and I could really break this up into so many different parts, but people see, people mm-hmm. aren't stupid. They observe, they, they absorb they see what your true intentions are. And, um, you know, like I said, majority of my life and even in my professional experience, I was always misunderstood. But on a deeper level, when people actually got to know me, they actually realized of the massive amount of potential I was bringing to the table. 
And it was mainly because we live in a very mediocre world. And even in the marketing space specifically, there's just so many things that are done traditionally. And what I realized about that night actually is that I wasn't intimidated. (laughs) The traditional faculty was intimidated because they knew that they were soon to be out of a job because their textbooks were already outdated because a new version was already available on Google. And that's literally where I got majority of my education. Uh, that's where I learned how to build a WordPress website. That's where I learned social media strategies. That's where I learned about blogging and personal development and you name it. And mind you, this was in the days of when people thought that, like, don't believe everything on the yeah. internet because it's not true. But in reality, a lot of it actually is. It's and, just and people it's free. And it's and free. It's, and it's free, right? And and exactly. I if, if I step back and I I think one thing that, that you said, you didn't say it explicitly, but I'll say it, uh, is you're also a fucking disruptor. Right. I think that's what that individual was seeing is, is that you were bringing something to the table that was fresh and a different perspective than everybody that was on the academic side, which was using some outdated system process theory. And we, and we know there's a lot of folks uh, in, in the academic environment that haven't gone out and actually built a business from scratch, but they're teaching people how a business operates, right? right. As, a, as a, someone who got my education in my late 30s, early 40s, got an MBA, a lot of the things that were being taught were from people that were uh, more academic researchers, right? They may have studied these things, but I don't think they had, at least some of them didn't have the direct application, which was interesting until I took some online courses that were taught by people that were in the industry doing the things they were teaching, right? And yeah. it was a different kind of learning experience. It wasn't um, uh, observe and memorize, right? It was, here's what happens, the concepts, here's how you apply them, go out and practice right a little different mindset shift uh in the later days but man that's an awesome background and introduction to disrupting marketing especially as you were learning it for free from the place that nobody should trust anyways right 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 it's um i mean there's been so many i think now as i'm getting older you know i'm four i just turned 43 um, they, they say wisdom comes with age and had, had you told me this 10 years ago, I would have laughed in your face. I'm hmm. like, whatever, you know? Um, and I think in part, because I was probably eager, a little oblivious, you know, um, to really wanting to strike gold. I've been there and, um, you know, getting into the marketing space, that was a very interesting approach for me. You know, I actually, where really all of this started was, so um, back in 2006, um, my marketing journey, mind you, between 1994 and 2006, I did a lot of trial and error shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was just like, most people at the time were, you're wasting your time. What the hell are you doing on the computer for hours? That was literally 99% of people's response when they heard what I was doing. And most of it was side gig stuff, late nights. Um, I remember um, my father had an old CRT computer at his pizza joint. And it was running Windows 3.11 at the time. 
Not only did I dismantle the entire computer, but I installed and reinstalled the entire operating system multiple times for shits and grins, literally. And I found that fascinating. I think that was kind of the beginning. Um, well, at the time with some IT experience, we really kind of morphed into digital marketing. But in 2006, it was literally, I saw an ad for an internet marketing professional the time you know that that was the term back in the day and um here i am i'm like all right i don't have a resume all this stuff is just whimsical right i have nothing tangible to show what the hell you know um so i applied that first year i was still at home i think i made like fifteen thousand dollars that was my salary i mean you were a professional at that point right Yes, I was a professional. <laughs> exactly. I was officially a fucking professional, right? An internet marketing professional. But um, I will never forget those first two years because uh, it was with a local franchisee with a company called WSI, World Sides International. And they're still around. They're based out of Canada. But um, anyway, you know, they were kind of at the forefront of digital and, and everything. And um I got a lot of experience there. They a lot. They first of all, they believed in me mm-hmm. because I, I vowed to be the hardest worker, and I was. I was the first one in, the last one out for the majority of every single day for two years, and um, that's when that's when everything snowballed. So here's my next opportunity. I saw an ad for. We're looking for a Google AdWords advertising professional. And at that point, I was managing some AdWords campaigns, like earlier days of Google ads or Google AdWords at the time is what it was called. This was around the time when Yahoo Small uh, Small Business Marketing Solutions, which was the first paid media platform, by the way, they started in 1995, but Google came in and just put them out of business, basically, mm-hmm. because they revived the entire model. And um, so I saw this ad, I'm like, all right, well, this is my strength. You know, I've managed a lot of this. I learned how to do it. Got the job. It was for a family-owned commercial and residential um, real estate slash holding company. I was the only internet marketer, and my job was to manage $1 million of paid media advertising. One person. How did on, that go? On all, on all different mediums, right? Uh, radio, TV, internet, or uh, print. Billboards, so everything? it was it was actually just digital because they were making a huge push into paid media advertising at the time, and um, mind you, this was the days of like Dreamweaver and hand coding websites and all of that. But they just didn't have anybody, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to do that. So I took a big risk, and little did I know, majorly failed because. I was the only internet marketer in a sea of accountants, and my direct report was the son of the CEO, who, by the way, had such a big ego that unless you were presenting him inflated numbers, he didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. That lasted about three months, basically. Wow. But it was a great experience, and it just went sideways. But from there, man, it just snowballed. I realized that, you know, first of all, I loved marketing. I loved digital. And I loved them mainly for the connectivity reasons. 
I loved it for the technology reasons. I loved it for the ability to basically pave a path and being able to help small businesses, you know, market their products, their services, but using a very personalized and a human centric approach, which really stuck for, well, even to this day, because as I got into the agency world later on, um, you know, working with actually a lot of mom and pops, you know, I remember one of the agencies that I work with, you know, that four employees, I was the fourth employee at the time, you know, and then they scaled to like over 50 and more and more and acquired bigger client base. But a lot of it was disruption, create uh, creativity, um, innovation also, which a lot of these things are actually core values of my company, Razor Sharp Digital, mm-hmm. because what I realized later on is that, well, for one, not everyone is your customer. Not everyone mm-hmm. should be your client. And you don't want everybody to be your client. In fact, a lot of it has to do with an alignment of synergy for the most mm-hmm. part. You know, you have to find likability, trust, and value. And it's got to go both ways also. So, I mean, I've done a lot of things, a lot of things. And, um, uh, a lot of it has been gambles, you know, paid media advertising over 15 million on Google ads, Facebook ads, earlier days of Yahoo. Also a lot of blog writing, built a lot of websites, a lot of social media campaigns, um, and just a lot of different things. And a lot of it was really curiosity to where, you know, nowadays, from a service offering, you know, social media is really kind of the organic social media is the core offer, but there's a lot underneath that, that, you know, I bring to the table from an expertise standpoint and companies that I've worked with, you know, as well to really attest to that credibility. And, um, you know, you suddenly realize that, you know, it's okay to be the sore thumb, you know, it's okay to be the only, uh, fish in the sea, so to speak, when, well, really, there's many other fish, but mm-hmm. you're the only odd looking one, yeah. you know, but, and, well, to uh, go back to your, to go back to your point about the trials and errors, right? Something that came to mind was that uh, Thomas Edison quote, right? I've tried 10,000 times and I failed 9,999 times, but I kept going, right? Yeah. Is I got, I got to keep trying to figure out what that sweet spot is that I'm going to be able to make something happen. And you definitely articulated that over the journey of 10 plus years, 15 years uh, in this space, trying all different kinds of things, seeing what works, what doesn't work for not just your clients, but also the different avenues that you went in progressing, whether Mm -hmm. it's website building, different ad campaigns, guerrilla marketing, whatever it is, right? You covered the wide gamut there. Uh, which is awesome. What do you think right now sets you apart from your competitors? I know you were starting to go down that route a second ago. What's that one, what's that one key uh, niche that you're hitting on that just keeps paying out? I'd probably say experience. And that's probably one that I really keep going to because what I found is, you know, I've worked with the $500 clients. I've worked with the $5,000 clients also um, with my business. And I've also worked with 10 and $20,000 clients per month in the agency world. And what I found is that 
it's a the differentiation is really the experience. Sure, the results are important. Don't get me wrong. You know, everybody wants to see results, but it's a different kind of alignment. Um, so if you can create an experience, like for instance, one of my things is being real time, because mm-hmm. I believe that real time communication is imperative to solve problems. And suddenly you find out that everybody says that they're great communicator, but they really aren't. So it's a differentiating thing. And I, I see even, you know, high ticket clients who appreciate that, you know, just a message or a text message, you know, or a DM or, or an email even, you know, mo- even, even though most of the real-time communication has been handled through social. But for the most part, it's, it's experience, you know, it, the relationship you build, you know, a two-way street mm-hmm. um, and also uh, customized solutions. So that's a big one for me because I remember in the agency world, we were selling packages and solutions, which I know they have value in different markets, but I firmly believe that every business has a unique problem to solve. Yeah. You know, it doesn't and- need to be cookie cutter, right? It, you do have to have that personal touch, right? Because their, yep. their different offering could be hitting a different target, right? Or how yep. they're actually going to support it once you turn on the machine, right? Right. So it's experience and customized solutions. You know, now I've kind of shifted more to really just working with seven plus figure businesses and business owners who are fearing that their competition is stealing their market share, mm-hmm. which basically means that how can you get more strategic, you know, with, with what you're doing and what you're not doing, you know, and uh, it's, it's different industries. You know, I work with trucking, I work with mining, I work with roofing also, but the uh, the core offer, which is organic social media marketing, uh, has really proven to be valuable uh, from an experience standpoint, also the results that it creates for these companies, mm-hmm. because reputation is is more imper- imperative than ever now. And you've yeah. got to have that strong organic foundation. So um, it's experience, you know, um, it's it's building relationships. That's, that's really it. You know, uh, I was actually telling a story um, here's a prime example, actually, of uh, how I differentiate myself. So this was almost two years ago. Uh, as you probably know, I'm pretty notorious about personal branding and social video. And I actually have found out that a lot of successful entrepreneurs are doing just that. You know, they're investing heavily into personal development and personal branding specifically. But um, but two years ago, I get this random direct message on LinkedIn and it's from Kristen. And I find out that Kristen is a project manager at uh, a $5 million uh, startup healthcare company, which later got acquired. And um, message was like, hey, Ivan, love all your videos. I've been watching them every single day. I'm like, well, that's funny. Nobody has really liked them or commented mm-hmm. on them. And now you're telling me, she's like, no, I've been watching them for about a couple of months. And I love that you're consistent. You show up every day. I love that you're direct. I love that you're polarizing. I've checked you out. I've Googled your name. I've seen the interviews, blah, 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 all this shit. But most importantly, I love who you are as a person. You just come across as very genuine. So back to the experience. And, um, you know, that helped me generate about 30 grand in new business just by someone consuming my content just in two months worth of work. You know, and that's where we dove into and I found out that they were doing a lot of automated stuff that wasn't paying dividends So they just needed a different approach, you know, and um, one thing that also differentiates me is that 
I'm not the guy that says, I'll generate the most amount of leads or clients or blah, 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 all this. First, I start with, tell me what's working, what's not working. Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. Okay. So it's a very tactical, very strategic, very experiential driven approach, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is important because a lot of people in the marketing space, you know, are just really, you know, honing in on the paycheck. Um, yeah. You know, I spent a lot of time in that, in that, in that space. And, and I found that sure. Now I have some credibility. You don't necessarily have to have an enormous amount of credibility. You just need to have credibility. Mm-hmm. You know, people that say they've done X, Y, Z, or that I've done X, Y, Z for their company, you know, and it's a $25 million company, you know, having five $25 million companies would be great. Absolutely. But they're also harder to attain in mm-hmm. this climate as well. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, there's proof there. So that's what I tell people, you know, because I spend another differentiating factor is that I spent over $30,000 in free content that I share every year, videos, free guides, email newsletter. I give it all to people, literally, mm-hmm. and I educate them. And in fact, some of my best customers are the ones that say, Ivan, you know, six months ago, you told me that I should really focus on reels mm-hmm. on Instagram, or, you know, I should really infuse more personalization into my company. Like, well, no shit. You've been posting stock photos and stock videos. Who wants to see that shit in this climate? Yeah, exactly. You know, and suddenly you find now that like, oh, Ivan's re- really been on the forefront, you know, like AI right now. Mm-hmm. I was having a conversation actually with someone earlier today and I explained to them, which I'm going to be doing a social video on this. That's going to be very controversial with some stuff that some leading industry experts are talking about. But um, there's a lot of scarcity and fear right now mm-hmm. around AI because a lot of people are led to believe that it will be the demise of humanity. Um, and I think that, you know, my take on that is just that, you know, um, AI is not a self-sustaining uh, you still need to give it direction. You need to give yeah. it a command to do something. And I think that's where a lot of humans are, are you know, developing that scarcity mindset, especially marketing, because, I mean, I could literally go into chat GPT and say, write uh, a video script for Instagram reel on why most social media marketers suck. Mm-hmm. I literally just did that recently and just spit it out in 30 seconds. And, you know, but when I was reading through it, it's like, hold on, this is terrible English, <laughs> first of all. Uh, well, well, there's that. And then it, it loses that personal touch as well as that yeah. unexpected stutter, uh, different choice of word and language, yeah. right? Also the subjective storytelling ability of someone's experience, right? Yeah. It's at the moment, it's not going to be able to capture that, right? And I, I understand what you're saying that a lot of people are like, oh, shit, this is the end of the world, right? But we look back at the, the telephone, another example of the fucking seatbelt in the 70s, right? And people oh, yeah. lost their shit about having to wear a seatbelt, right? Um, not to mention what it's learning today, it still has to be put through a framework, right? It's not like yeah. it's not like it's not trained, right? You have to make sure that you put certain safeguards in so people can't, how do I build a bomb? How do I commit this? How do I rob a bank? How do I do X, Y, and Z, right? Like 
you don't want everybody to do that shit because that's some bad fucking horrendous shit, right? Not not to mention, it's not going to automatically replace a bunch of jobs like people are forecasting, right? Because you yeah. have to adjust all the underlying systems and processes before you could even put those things on top of it, right? Now, you might be able to make some canned comments and have uh, voice like IVR, AI answer questions that it's trained based on someone that programmed the shit. But it's how's it going to diffuse someone that's pissed off? Right? Yeah, you're that, that, absolutely that's gonna right. Be, that's going to be how are you going to pick up on their emotional inflections when they can't get health care or deal with a fucking tax problem, right? Yeah. Everybody's demise, right? Or credit card or power bill, a cell phone bill. Um, it's interesting to see how it's working today, but it's yeah. that one platform. It's not the only one, right? There's other ones that are better, not as mature, more mature. And this one just happens to have the fanfare at the moment. Um, but I can't wait a few years out. It's, it's going to be a uh, need to see what it could do, but also what's the impact of it going to be, right? How lazy are people yeah. going to fucking get if I could just voice to text into a tool and it writes my essay for high school or junior college or whatever, right? How lazy is that person going to be, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just it. You know, from a marketing standpoint, I mean, I can give you so many examples, but the tone, the tone, the voice, the language, uh, it's still in its infancy. And, you know, I think, the, you know, from a marketing standpoint specifically, I think a lot of marketers look at this as, oh, this is going to solve a lot of my problems. You know, this is going to minimize my expenditures and resources. And it's like, no, I mean, it's it's a tool is what mm -hmm. it is. It's a tool yeah. that's still in its infancy, meaning that it can be utilized, but you have to utilize it with discretion. And so a uh, prime example, I mean, I was testing it out like, oh my God, like one instance that I did, I asked it to write a caption and then I hit mm -hmm. the regenerate response button and it spit out the same thing three times. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, what in the hell? And so like, that's a prime example of, you know, the lack of evolution. I mean, I, I do think that, um, so there are several books like human intelligence, which is one of Elon Musk's top nine mm -hmm. that I read through. Um, Superhuman was another one that really kind of touch upon like UBI and, you know, AI and like all this other stuff, which I have no doubt we're going in that direction, but yeah, most definitely. What most people don't understand too, like looking at AI, because I talked about this recently, and, and I definitely believe that AI is a threat to humanity. It's threat to marketing. It's threat to doctors, to lawyers, to um, absolutely. But uh, one of the things that I've also learned is that the necessity for stronger human intelligence is about to skyrocket. Okay. So if you are someone who is uh, this is actually something that Billy Jean was talking about, you know, like get educated. Best place to do it is on the internet, mm -hmm. you know, consume the freely available knowledge because it's not available on a collegiate level, you yeah. know, and stay ahead of the game, which suddenly goes back to 
you know, I remember doing paid media campaigns and writing social media strategies and digital marketing plans way before any companies even saw value or anything like this. And now more than ever, you know, that is intricate. But again, the reason why I've sort of segmented my target audience for my business is because I've also found in a very, very basic psychological level, the difference between a $500 per month client and a $5,000 per month client. And actually, very simple. The $5,000 a month client will say, realistically, you need 12 months to do something. Mm -hmm. We're willing to pay for that because we know that if you have something substantial to offer a value that's going to help our business grow. And I talk a lot about the sales funnel nowadays and everything that I do, which is awareness, interest, intent, and purchasing. You Mm -hmm. really have to drive people in that regard because you might have the best product or service, right? But if you suddenly start running some paid media ads, you've got no organic foundation. You just look like a pop-up shop out of Tijuana. That's Mm -hmm. literally the perception you're creating because the modern consumer is intelligent enough to do their homework on you. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll Google you, they'll look at reviews, they'll look at your social media, look at the frequency of content, how, what kind of content, you know. So it's it's very challenging as a brand to upkeep simply because we're in a very saturated world. Yeah. Um, the reality of things is us as consumers we're bombarded with about 1500 different messages every day. Mm-hmm. Everything you see, literally conversations, billboards, driving down the highway, ads in your browser, on your phone, text messages, you name it. Every So what does that tell you? That digital and social media marketing is far more challenging than ever has been. And mm-hmm. that means that you just need to be more strategic about it, mm-hmm. but obviously that comes at a price. And so that's where I sort of segmented my target audience and my target market because I, I just, those are the types of individuals and companies who really see value in what's being brought to the table. And I always lead with value. I explained yeah. to them, like, I was in a Zoom call earlier today uh, with a prospect and um, I showed her Chat GPT and how it works, you know, as an example. And at first she was like, wait, what is Chat GPT? Like, mm-hmm. wait, have we been living under a rock? Like literally. And so I just showed her about it. And then I kind of explained some of the things about tone and voice and accuracy also, yeah. you know, and what he can and cannot do, the limitations and also the capabilities, because I think Chad GPT is a great tool, but it's like anything else. It's like, you could have, you know, $150,000 fancy car, but if you don't know how to drive the damn thing, it's just an expensive price tag. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's really expense. what it boils down to. It's the actual application to it and the management of it. And so I get into a lot of that where I first delve in and reverse engineer to find out what companies are all about. You know, mm-hmm. what about their company culture, which <laughs> you find out even at the eight figure level that there's a lot of companies in some industries have zero company culture, like none. It's just like, how do you even exist? without company culture, right? Because yeah, and that's a core that's a core tenet of the business, right? Or it should have been when it started, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, so hopefully that that answers your question. It it does actually. And um let me ask you this. Where 
would people go to find out more about razor sharp digital uh razorsharpdigital.com um is the main website um to check out um on a personal level also have my personal website ivantemelkov.com and that has everything linked on there um all my info uh story full story um other content socials um as well and um yeah and then again i'm pretty much active on all the social channels which is really the best way to get a hold of me uh probably instagram is the best one of all um in terms of communication and uh i'm a sucker for conversations (laughs) yeah definitely well i really enjoyed the marketing aspect and the background let's let's switch gears for a little bit i think you got a little bit more time uh, based on my clock here let's dive into um physical fitness and your recent Mm -hmm. journey of hiring a coach and where you started and where you are today and where you're going into tomorrow. Um, health is a big thing that you talked about early on. I know it's a key tenet of your core values. Tell me a little bit about what was that catalyst that you wanted to just say, I'm tired of where I'm at. Let me go bring in an expert that could kind of help guide me to where I need to go. Well, you know, that's a, that's a tough question to probably answer. And I think the best answer for that that I have is that it was probably a combination of close to two decades of failing um, that really kind of pushed me over the edge to uh, to realize that if I want to live long enough to see my grandkids, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully I have grandkids, that is, um, if I want to live long enough to do all the things that I've aspired to do, and I need to take my health seriously. And, um, you know, when I was younger, I did a lot of stupid shit. Um, and I think that that was in part essential to making, to arriving this conclusion. And um, mind you, this really didn't happen until April of 2022, when I really kind of, you know, I pulled the plunge on this, so to speak. and. Um, said, look, enough is enough. You know, you got to, uh, you got to step in, which, uh, actually I started an apparel line, uh, about mm-hmm. a month ago, the sort of, uh, evolved from that. Um, okay. but, and it's really kind of a reminder for me, for me, um, that, you know, what it took, but it's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's just, it's an intuition. It's mm-hmm. a feeling that you get that you say, you know what, enough is enough. And I know I will fail, but you mentioned this earlier is this that, you know, uh, I found 10,000 ways, I think you said, yeah. uh, to fail. Um, but that one win is going to be a major win. And, um, I look at it that way, you know, I've, I've lost now over 25 pounds since April of last year, and it's been a roller coaster ride. I'm not going to lie, but mm-hmm. It has really changed the trajectory of me as a person, mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, it has changed the trajectory of uh, my mindset, my my marriage, um, and and business also. Because I I've realized on all those different levels that not only I was playing too small, but I was cheating myself. Hmm. Interesting. You know, cheating myself because I, I've had potential 
and physical ability for as long as I can remember. Like I mentioned, I was very active in high school. You know, I was a fast runner. Um, I was squatting crazy weights. You know, I was I genuinely enjoyed that, you know, and then at some point I allowed peer pressure and the external to mm-hmm. uh, take that over. And so, you know, at the age of 43, I'm doing things physically from a nutritional standpoint, mentally, unlike anything I've ever done. And it's frightening at times because you, you, at least for me, I fall into um, a state of discouragement at times mm-hmm. and second guessing. I wonder if, you know, in difficult times, um, you know, um, especially Q4 of 2022, I mean, 2022 was a great year, but Q4 was just complete shit. Mm-hmm. And it just, it brought on, I mean, there were good things that happened, but, you know, um, it, it endured some stress there that I, I struggle with managing. And um, I, I realized that the more I pushed through, that the more I was able to withstand and learn and evolve. And now I think uh, I was talking to a friend not too long ago, and he reminded me that it takes about eight months to actually build a good habit as a, as a yeah. human being. And uh, I, I didn't want to believe that at the time. Actually, this was right around the time I started my journey with my physical mm-hmm. transformation. He had told me this, and um, I, I did not want to believe it. And we're talking about at the time how hard it is to build good habits and how, how easy it is to uh, embrace bad habits. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and so now going into 2023, I'm, you know, training for a, my first half Ironman, which I think is completely nice insane. Job. But that's the beauty about it, I think. Um, I'm definitely looking to do uh, another cycling race, which to this day, now almost 13 years later, I still don't know what prompted me to buy, to buy a bike. It was just <laughs> one of those things that I still remember purchasing my Schwinn Prelude from walmart.com for $300 because it was overstock. And I thought it was the next best thing, which I rode up until two years ago when I actually invested into more of a next level bike. That's how long I rode that. And um, so just looking at these evolutions and, and my health journey specifically, it's, it's really boosting my, my mentality, I think, my mindset, mm-hmm. my um, self-belief, uh, my, my confidence. It's, it has really helped me a lot because, as I mentioned earlier on, being bullied all through high school, which is a completely different discussion yeah. on things that I'm taking into account to contribute towards that. But, um, you know, there was a time that I was nearly suicidal. And I had zero confidence, zero Mm -hmm. self-belief. I thought the world hated me because I had absolutely nothing to offer. And um, this was at the age of 17. So that's a a very, mm -hmm. it's a very, it's a very, you know, those are supposed to be some of your best years, you know, growing up as a teenager because you're evolving and growing and, um, but um, now with this health journey, it's really helping me build stronger levels of confidence, mm-hmm. uh, self-belief, 
uh, endurance, which I found out that endurance uh, translates personally and professionally. So personally, obviously from, you know, training and exercises, swimming, lifting weights, all of that, but on the business front, you know, has translated to um, just, just being able to, to meet, you know, other great people like yourself, oh, you know, you. and I think, you know, in part life should be uh, about living it with people who uh, contribute and add value and you do the same for them to where it's a mutual, you know, win-win. And um, yeah, one about- last thing. Oh, go ahead. Well, one last thing I was going to mention is living without expectations. Yeah. That's probably one of the things that uh, one of the hardest things I've learned because growing up as an immigrant, I think there were expectations because of, you know, the humble beginnings that, that I came from. So there was sort of um, there were expectations. So I think my health journey has helped me with that. Yeah, I, w- I was going to go back, but you already answered the question was um, how was the physical fitness and health journey translate into your profession, right? And mm-hmm. what I heard you say was, is that through that consistency and that trial and error, you're actually more resilient, right? Because you could go knock out a workout for an hour on this day or that day. And then you got that mental clarity and that focus that you described earlier in our conversation, where you're actually able to go attack those problems, right? That's key in your business, as you described, is to have that clarity to go out and solve problems by providing value to your customers, which is huge. And I think what you just found in less than a year, right? You said about April, 2022. So you're about nine, 10 months in is that you're already starting to see that transformation cascade into other areas of your life. And I'll, I'll say this, I've been on a about four or four and a half year journey on the physical fitness side is it's amazing what it can do, but you're absolutely right. Some of it could be unraveled very quick if you if you stop being as consistent in what you're doing and you let those bad habits take over. Um, uh, I, I definitely have a, about with that here and there myself, so I definitely understand. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, I one of the things that uh, someone had talked to me about that um, uh, I'll probably look into is um about dopamine and the chemicals in your brain mm-hmm. and what uh, fitness and well, not to mention that, you know, you're when you're exercising and your heart is pumping blood faster, it's good. You know, there's just so many different, there's so many different advantages, you know, the chemicals in your brain and the different types of chemicals that it invokes and what that does to you in the state of mind that it puts you in. So there, there's a chemical aspect of this. The physical is just that, let's face it, muscles were made to be exercised and trained. They're yeah. not meant for you to slob your ass on the couch and binge watch Netflix for four hours. Not to say yeah. occasionally I won't watch a movie or two, but there's a difference between, I was talking to someone about this recently that, you know, there's a huge difference between binge watching and watching a movie every once in a while because he has a good story. But principally speaking, and and fitness just, I mean, these are just some of the advantages I've seen professionally, yeah. specifically, is this that it translates your perception into how you handle business. Yeah. And suddenly I actually have found that 
you know what? I don't want to talk to most people. I don't. They're not my clients. They'll never be my clients. Well, I shouldn't say never because I don't like using that word. But the reality of things is just that there's just no, we're in a completely different level. I mean, here I am. I'm training for a half Ironman, like mm -hmm. huge endurance type of event. And you're telling me about drinking half a bottle of wine every night and eating fast food, <laughs> you know, like every day. And I'm just like, well, we're just not on the same level there yeah, because I've been there. And actually, nowadays, I feel like shit doing that. Not to say every once in a while. Yeah, I'll have fast food, a burger or something. There's a difference between every once in a while and eating it every day. I get you a regular routine. What does that, that do to you? Well, you lose focus. You lose mm -hmm. alertness on a professional level. You can't be as attentive. That's all because what you're putting in your body. All right. Stop putting crap in your body. Eat good. Eat stuff that's yeah. good for you. Exercise. And I think discipline is probably one of the biggest things, which Discipline is another big one that with my health and fitness journey that I've learned because um, discipline is a multifaceted thing. You oh, know, 100%. Um, yeah. Not just per, not just business, but personally also. And I've noticed that it, it impacts even all the way down to the family level, you know, being disciplined. Like um, recently I was having a conversation with um, uh, my son who loves drinking Capri Sun. And hates drinking water, you know, like hates water. I hate water. He'll like announce it from the rooftops. I hate water. And because of the path that I'm on, and in part, I see a lot of him uh, and what, what, who I was at his age, mm -hmm. probably the biggest, bigger rebel too, you know, yeah. growing up in a rural country. But the discipline that I'm learning through my journey it was me who stood up and said, you know what? No, just no. I don't care if you don't like it. No, because 10 years from now, when your teeth are falling out and have diabetes, God, mm -hmm. I hope that never happens. You know, I don't want to have the conversation. That's just said, I want to avoid it. By So the discipline of yeah. translating that to my children also is an extension of what I'm doing as a human being. Also, the routines that I'm changing, like that has all been like for the first time in six months, my son is catching the bus at 730 a.m. It's because I'm disciplined enough to get up early enough, mm -hmm. get ready, get him ready, feed him breakfast. That all comes from my health journey. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's just so many advantages that people and I think most people do not under, do not have the right perspective. Most people, I hate going to the gym. If you ask me, I, do. <laughs> I, I hate running personally. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate running. I hate sweating, you know, but I've also realized like I've trained myself. And I think this is why, as I told my coach, I think the reason why I know this is probably going to be the most rewarding or probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done is because it's the hardest to accomplish. Oh, definitely. I was reading the other day that, that, it doesn't matter how much money you make, right? It doesn't matter how much you pay for shit. Uh, it doesn't matter where it comes from or how you get it. But if you yep. look at someone with abs, 
you have to realize that is earned, not bought. There's nothing. Now, yeah, there could be some sort of cosmetic surgery, but the reality is, is they have to put in the blood, sweat, and tears, and they have to have a routine with discipline and focus and intention to get things done, right? I, I look at the, the plan that I'm on now, uh, meal prepping every two to three days. Well, that translates into everything that I do, including time management, because now I'm like, yeah. shit, I'm very earthy when it comes to preparing my food, right? I want to make sure that I'm getting the freshest meat or the produce and I'm chopping it, I'm tenderizing, I'm seasoning it, I'm cooking it myself, right? I'm literally spending hours here and there throughout the week preparing everything, let's say 90, almost 100% of everything I'm putting in my body is going through my hands, right? It hits differently when you do it yourself compared to going through a drive-through or sitting down at a restaurant. Yeah, the flavors might be fucking awesome and the salt content and sugar content is through the roof when you go to those places. And believe me, I love them. I, know, I can't, can't complain about that. But when you actually spend time making your own meals yeah. and you're putting the ingredients in and the flavoring and the seasoning and everybody in your household is watching you, they're observing what you're doing. So they're going to pick up those discipline or they're going to say, fuck, I don't want to put in that much work. That motherfucker has to work his ass off to, to just make a few meals. What the fuck? I'd rather just call Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever. I mean, um, that, that's how I look at it personally. Yeah. Um, as you described it, I'm like, you know what? I do a lot of that myself that, what, five, six, nine weeks ago. I didn't do that shit. I was lazy. I'd spend that hour watching Netflix, waiting for the pizza delivery guy to drop the shit off at my house, right? <laughs> the the convenience um, of life, right? Yeah, I mean, there's you're, you're nailed it. You know, Stephen, it's there's just so many different benefits. You were talking about how, like, my kids are have become absorbent of. Uh, in fact, they asked me to take them to the to the gym. Uh, it's in oh. part why I'm switching gyms because. <clears throat> the local gym I'm going to be joining um, have a kid's daycare. So I can actually bring my, my son specifically. And my daughter has been asking me and brushing their teeth, you know, every night or not eating too much chocolate or like, it's just, it's amazing how, and first of all, like I literally get chills down my spine because I realize how positive of a role model I'm being for my children. Mm -hmm. which is a very important thing for me. I can fail in everything else in life, literally relationships, business. I don't care. And I have, mm -hmm. you know, um, but with my children, it's never an option. And, you know, seeing them acknowledge the good habits that I'm building also um, it, it's just, it's, it, it's, I'm just blessed in that regard. It's beyond, you know, satisfying. It's just, and that's all because I've invested in myself. We were talking about the time management. Wow. I, I probably have 14 alarms. <laughs> even, I shit you not because I got three, I got three. That's it. I mean, to give you an example, my first alarm goes at three 15 in the morning 
First one is at 3 a.m. to wake up, which is another thing that I've uh, explored. And from there, really almost every two hours, I'm taking a supplement. And so that's why I have an alarm because I found the benefits in that. And then not to mention being able to eat as part of my meal plan as well. So that's discipline. That's time commitment. That's you have no fucking choice, but you do it. That's it. You know, you might do it an hour later than you did or when you were originally supposed to do it. But the point is to do it. And I yeah. try to be timely about things, but that's what people don't understand. So how does that translate into life and business? Time management, discipline, commitment. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting we're talking about fitness because I've been thinking more and more about this as part of my sales pitch also mm-hmm. um, for marketing, telling people that like, look, I don't think you've met anybody like me before. Because I'm crazy in the regard of discipline and commitment. And it scares the fuck out of people. It just does. Because 99% of people look for luxury and access and convenience. Yeah. The the easy route, right? The easy route. The easy route. And so, you know, this is why I'm after, you know, high ticket clients. Because once they see... You know, if Ivan can be disciplined with himself, he can be disciplined with us. It yields trust. And then it's basically a leap of faith. You know, it's because in some part in business, it is a leap of faith. It doesn't matter how many guarantees you've got or stamp of approvals. It also builds credibility, right? Because you're you're operating authentically based on how you behave and what you're your goals are and how you go about it. Right. And when you're doing these workout programs, we'll call it a program. Um, you found different ways where you actually compress time, right? You have to fit in a workout in between client call one and client call three, right? You got to go run, pick up your son from uh, after school daycare, yep. drop your daughter off, go help your wife, go, yep. go run an errand. And you're literally trying to figure out where can I fit this into my schedule so I could operate at my optimal level. Right. And that, that's huge. Right. I mean, it, it's, yeah. I could, I'm 46, man. It's taken me a long time to figure that out too. <laughs> and well, it's but still work in the pro, pro, project, right. It's still work in progress. You're three years older than me, man. And, but you just said something very important. That I hope your listeners and viewers acknowledge you're actually never too old. No, not at all. You're never too old. I mean, I have seen bodybuilders in 60s and 70s. -hmm. That makes me go, what the fuck? I look at that. I'm like, Ivan, you should have zero fucking excuses. Look at those people. And they can do more than the average 20 year old. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Most people will say, oh, they're drugged up, blah, blah, blah. No, that's decades and decades of discipline is what that is. Decades and decades of discipline, commitment, investment in yourself. When others are partying on a Friday night, you're fucking at the gym, lifting Mm -hmm. weights. Because suddenly, and I've been, you know, you said you're 46, I'm 43. I feel like my life in part just starting my 40s. Mine mine too. Mine too. You know, but better late than never. I've done a social video on this. It's better late than never. 
you know, and I think most people are so encompassed of the world that we live in and they allow other people to tell them how they should live their life, what they should do, where should they spend their money, how should they dress, the kind of house they should live in, or who should they associate with. I mean, we live in a crazy world, man, and we've forgotten the basic of principles and foundational components that really make us as human beings. And this is why even with my business, human marketing, human business will mm -hmm. always be at the epicenter, always will be at the epicenter because I want to build relationships. I want to convey value. I want you to see that I'm unlike probably anyone you've ever met. Well, I'm unlike anyone you've met because we're all unique, but getting a taste for the discipline that's driven by mm -hmm. fitness. Um, I, there's a friend and, and a client that I've been working with for two years who went through a really traumatic experience, really traumatic experience. Um, and it's in for the last two years, actually, that I've known him. Uh, the best way to, to describe it is imagine waking up and for a period of 15 minutes, you feel like demons are crawling through your body mm -hmm. and you're being electrocuted and you can't do anything. I mean, that's a real, that, that, I don't know what that feels like, but that's how he yeah. described it to me. I said, well, first of all, you live through that. Okay. Second of all is in this guy actually at one point in time actually had an audition video for American Ninja Warrior. Oh, sure. Very fit guy. Very fit guy. Now you look at him, looks like a different person, but mm -hmm. Steven, I've talked to him almost every day for two years mainly as, as a mentor from a mentor mm -hmm. perspective. Um, and for the first time in two years he is now taking initiative again and understanding the importance of health, fitness, and nutrition that plays in his life mm -hmm. and how he impacts him personally and professionally. And uh, in fact, he invited me to his birthday party on Sunday, which I couldn't make, but it just, it's fascinating and it's very, very rewarding on a personal level to see that I've created an impact in someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Just one person. Yeah, just one. That's all it takes. Just one person. And, and just because I encourage them, you know, and this is someone that has battled spiritually a lot and still does. And someone that has battled a lot of other demons has a dark past, also has allowed some of that to immerse, but the health and the fitness, like uh, I think you said two weeks ago, he went down to the local trainer and got ringed through said, man, I could barely breathe after and said, good. You had an amazing workout, you know, yeah. now yeah. pat yourself on the back. You did it, you know, great job. You'll do it again. And you're alive, right? You wake up tomorrow. It's another opportunity to yep. go attack it, whatever it is, right? And uh, that's the best thing that I found is that, that there's more vitality, especially after you do a workout. It doesn't have to be super intense. You just have to move your body, get the blood flowing. And the thing I like the most, and this will sound sadistic as hell, is that first fucking 15 minutes that you're there where you walked in, you hated it, you, you're cussing every body movement you're tired as hell and then uh, once it's about 15 minutes maybe 20 you break that sweat 
And all of a sudden, all the problems that you just had a second ago are gone. And then when you're done with your, your whatever you're doing, cardio, lifting weights, swimming, cycling, whatever, and you walk out and it could look like shit outside. And you know what? You feel great on the inside out. It's, it's amazing just to get that kind of uh, dopamine and serotonin release just from a little bit of exercise to get your blood moving, right? To get back into those chemicals you were talking about uh, earlier. So it's been, well, it's interesting you said 15 minutes because I've had many nights like that where I didn't want to go to the gym. I've had <laughs> to push myself. And, um, you know, before I started the half Ironman training, um, so some of those nights, a little would go in. I, I literally had to pick myself up say ivan get off the fucking couch go to the gym and someone actually criticized me on social media recently because i said i talk trash to myself that's how i motivated myself i said you piece of shit you really want to get into shape and have those six-pack abs get the fuck up and go to the gym that's literally how i talk to myself they're like no you're talking to yourself in a negative way i said no like i had to literally put myself on the spot to really understand how bad I wanted it. But as soon as I got there, literally, I would look on my watch or mm -hmm. on the stair stepper, which would be the first thing that I would usually do. Steven, two minutes in, I'm fucking killing it. Two oh, minutes yeah. pass by, I'm like, hell yeah. Now we're fucking cooking. Let's go. Let's roll. Blood is pumping. Got my music, my headphones. I want to kill some shit now. And, and you're, you're, you're amped up. And it's, it's funny you mentioned someone else's comment of, oh, don't talk to yourself negative. Yeah. Well, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. You can't always tell yourself a good story to snap yourself out of a funk, right? Because you're going to, you're just spinning your wheels, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes yep. you have to respond just like the world around you is. And if that means you have to cuss, call yourself out, use your first person or even third person name calling to yourself to pick yourself up out of the, off the ground, that's what you have to do. Because I can guarantee if you're talking to yourself and some pretty boy type thing without cursing yourself, 20 minutes goes by, you're still sitting on the fucking couch. An hour goes by. You're now eating a bag of Cheetos. Two hours go by and you just binge watch eight episodes of Jack Ryan, right? I mean, yeah. we've all been there. I've done that shit. But there are some times, even when you get into these endurance races, you're going to find yourself all alone. There's nobody coming to save you. And the only way to push forward is to remind yourself, A, why you started, but B, you can't left, let that person from yesterday beat you yeah. right because you're evolving like you said earlier time is moving it never stops you can never make any more of it so there's no just, point to hang out with the person you were yesterday that gets old yeah you brought up something very interesting though that um i actually hadn't thought about and that actually solidifies why negative back talk actually is so functional so if you're sitting there telling yourself you got this steven you got it, man. You're going to make it, right? What does that do? It creates a sense of comfort for you, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? That's your instant reaction. But you don't need comfort. You need yeah. massive discomfort in order to push you because think about it. The only way you're going to finish is if you feel uncomfortable 
because there's nothing comfortable about, you know, being a half Ironman or trying to run a business, bringing in new clients, trying to be a good father, trying to be a good husband. There's nothing fucking comfortable about any of it. It's all uncomfortable. And what I've found is the reason why this works for me specifically is because suddenly it puts me on ground zero and makes me realize how bad do I want this? Okay. Shut the fuck up, get up and go do. Yeah. So strict discipline. That's what it is. It's strict discipline. Some people might say, well, it's brute force, Ivan. It's not brute force. Okay. Because you're no. not physically assaulting yourself. You're it's a motivator and you have to have that yeah. because how else? I mean, let, let's, let's take the army, right? Mm -hmm. So in the army, the way they do boot camp training, they talk shit to you. That's what the drill sergeant does. You piece of shit. Get the fuck up. Do another push up. You think that they're sitting there telling you, Hey, Johnny, you got this, man. Take your time. It's all going to be good, right? There's no motivation in that. No, Absolutely no. none. You implanting in your mind that it's okay. I can quit, you know, because there's nothing. So I think tone is a huge part, but you got to have a pusher, something that really pushes you because then it forces you to actually want to try harder. Yeah. Because it's like a polarizing thing where at least for, I would say for most men that they know that giving up is not an option. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll put a clarifier out there for our audience. It doesn't mean that we're telling ourselves to go fucking do it all the time. Right. Like that might not be the mental track. Mm -hmm. Right. It just might not be, Hey, Johnny, you got this high five. Let me pat you on the back. Right. There, there could be certain things that you're going to look at and assess and flip the script to create waves internally to disrupt your mind pattern, right? Because that yeah. disruptor is what's going to drive you forward. The reality is, is things are never going to be perfect. It's never going to be an ideal situation. And if you keep approaching yeah. it in a positive, passive, aggressive way of you got this high five, you could do it. Those, those are good, but just like any motivator, those are temporary. You got to switch the carrot. You got to change what it is. Um, and that's for everything. Even if you're, you're working in front of people, maybe, it, maybe you don't have a cuss word negative track you're using when you're in the office, right? But maybe it's a fear to say, I don't want to disappoint this person. Or I can't miss my deadline because that's going to affect my reputation, right? And people got to realize that while they hear people uh, use cuss words and they throw these things out, we can think of David Goggins, right? Yeah. Some people don't like him because he cusses all the time. They're missing the point. The point is, is sometimes you have to adjust how you're thinking to push yourself through whatever barriers in front of you, right? Because what do they say? No growth occurs inside the comfort zone. It means you have to step out of it Sometimes you have to change your cadence, your rhythm, the talk track in your head, the story that you tell, if you want a different outcome. If you, if you want to sit on the couch all day, every day, watching TV nonstop, by all means, what we're talking about might not apply to you. Good luck, 
right? <laughs> you know, one. um, you you brought up so there is no reward without sacrifice. No. And actually, earlier on, you asked me what is something that differentiates me from a business standpoint. Well, I don't actually talk about marketing at all. I don't here's think you talk why. about marketing the entire time, actually. Well, and so here's why, though. There's actually a psychological component to this is because I tell people, you know what? You can probably Google most stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. You can watch YouTube videos or you can watch some experts take a continued ad course, whatever, right? The reason why you would talk to me and listen to me and what I think I bring to the table is the seasonality, the experience, the perspective, and the experience that I'm going to create also. And so that's why I mainly lead from a psychological standpoint, mm -hmm. because one of my favorite quotes is by Tony Robbins, and it's business is 80% psychology, 20% execution. Mm -hmm. So that's why I lead a lot with, and I've seen literally every successful entrepreneur from Ty Lopez, Gary Vaynerchuk, even Tony Robbins, uh, himself, uh, Bradley. I love how polarizing dropping, he is. Dropping bombs, man. Dropping bombs. All these guys, Andy Frisella, you know, and even now I had my let like, like seven, eight, nine, even 10 figure business owners. All they talk about is psychology, really, mm -hmm. because it really is on a business level. So I can sit here and tell okay, well, you can download CapCut and you can do this video and blah, blah, blah. And this is how it's going to look and blah, blah, blah. In reality, you can YouTube that. But what I will tell you is the psychology behind constructing an engaging video. That's what I will tell you. And suddenly people are like, oh, wait, it's not about the tools. No, it's not about the tools. It never no. is. No. It's about the psychology. And so to your point, though, there is no reward without sacrifice. And, but most people, especially early entrepreneurs, have a complete misconception about what it's, why they even are running a business. You've probably seen a lot of the memes floating around. It's like, I'm winning. Oh, shit, I'm losing. I'm winning. Oh, shit, I'm mm -hmm. losing. That's actually entrepreneurship for the first five years. Literally, the yeah. first five years, 90% of small businesses do not make it past five years because why? They just throw in the towel. It got too hard. They lost clients. They don't have any revenue. I was bankrupt in 2015 due to bad mm -hmm. decisions. I know what it's like. Trust me. Not even having $500 to pay a lawyer to file your bankruptcy. It was terrible, man. Mm -hmm. Terrible. You know? But then I realized that. You know, I can treat this as a bad experience or as a learning experience. And that's just it. I said to myself, never again. Now I need to act differently. I need to make different choices. Where did I go wrong? I can sit there in my own self-pity party. That's not going to accomplish anything. Hmm. That's most people. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I'm broke. Bro, I'm broke every day. <laughs> Literally, that's what it seems like every fucking day. And so that's why I love these guys, because I've learned that business is about psychology. And actually, most of the high ticket clients, that's what they look for. How mm -hmm. smart are you? What's your IQ, your intelligence level? OK, because that 
If that's an even small indication, sure. Tell me your price. I'll pay the price. Okay. Well, can you solve my problem? Yes. Mm -hmm. And for me, tell me a big fucking problem. Tell me your biggest fucking problem. And I'll give you some ideas on how to solve the problem. Prime example, earlier today, I was talking to uh, an eight-figure roofing company. And uh, little did I know that they were like, oh, we're just doing some social media stuff here. We're really not infusing personalization into our brand. Mm. We're opening up uh, actually uh, in a new market, actually interesting enough in your neck of the woods uh, Mm. on commercial roofing, but we're just missing that human touch as the business. So we're doing some stuff and I said, well, here's what I would do if I were you invest into exposing what the company is about on social, investing into a holistic strategy. Here's what's going to help you. Here's how I think, I can help you. Here's how I would do it if this was my business and aligns with the company and the company culture. And so suddenly the conversation went from this dude might be trying to pitch me or he's pitching me to Mm -hmm. this dude just gave me literally tangible things and telling me how he would solve a big problem to taking our business to the next level. Yeah, He, He just gave you the insight to what he needs, right? Exactly. Without without re- realizing all of it. Exactly. That's awesome, brother. Hey, I know we're coming up to a close. I just want to give a quick recap for our audience today. We've been talking with my good friend, Ivan, for the longest time. We learned about marketing on all different levels. The human aspect is key, right? Understanding the emotions, the perspective, and the freaking experience involved. It's not just about systems and processes. It's how do you connect the dots to solve problems? And I love how you dove into that. We also talked about health, family, and core values. And Ivan, tell us, our audience, one final word that you want to imprint on them that they can go out and do after listening to our podcast tonight. Be yourself. That's probably the best advice that I would give anyone is, and what that really means, you know, for those that are wondering is you probably have everything it takes to be in the best physical shape, the best entrepreneur, uh, the best father, the best husband, wife, um, daughter, all the above. And so listen to your intuition if you're lost. What is your intuition telling you? If it's telling you, you know what? I need to start eating better and you start exercising. Maybe I should start that business. You know, that crazy idea that I was pondering my head for the last five years, go and just fucking do it. All right. Worst thing that would happen is you fail. And you know what? If you don't quit, you haven't really failed because you just learned what doesn't work. That's it. And reshape your perspective. Be yourself, which by the way is a core value of mine with my business because I believe everybody should be themselves. I'm not saying you crazy shit, but I'm talking just go all in on yourself. That's being yourself. Awesome, Ivan. I appreciate that. I know our audience is going to take that to heart. And if they want to reach out to us, they could either contact myself or you razorsharpdigital.com or reach out to Ivan on any one of his social media platforms. Ivan, it's been a freaking pleasure, my man. I know we will catch up very soon. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining the Ultra Catalyst podcast. It's a wrap. We'll check in with you next week. Thanks, y'all.